Welcome to C3 Belconnen. Here's the latest message from our senior pastor, Melissa Hind. Hey, you know, have you ever had the situation where a change of perspective has actually really impacted your action? I, I often think about um, the change of perspective thing when I'm on an aeroplane and you might have taken off in an airport, maybe you've had this experience when it's been raining and stormy and really cold and as the pilot takes you up, it gives you a different perspective. You end up heading above the clouds and seeing the blue sky and, and you could almost kind of um, believe that there was no rain or clouds below because your perspective had changed so much that all you saw was the sun or, or the blue skies. I think as Christians, we have to understand that perspective really matters, that the way we see things, the way we actually um, look at things can kind of dictate the way our lives go. In fact, I actually would say that breakthrough or taking ground is actually determined by how we see things. Um, you know, I know many Christians who, who are doing their best to take ground in an area, but they haven't got a perspective that is helping them. Their perspective is very, very narrow. Their perspective is very, very earthly. And what happens in those situations is that as the Bible talks about us, we focus on the temporal things and actually taking ground or breakthrough must come as we have a heavenly perspective, as we change our perspective to match God's or match his words. As we walk through our spiritual life, there is a call on us to not see things the way everyone else sees them, to not assume that the way we first see things is the way it is. You know, the temporal, the, the word speaks about the temporal because it is temporary. We are here on earth for a temporary season. And sometimes it's really easy to forget that. And today I want to take us on a little journey and hopefully by the end of this message, actually get you to a place where your perspective has become more like God's and perhaps you have changed your perspective from a temporal perspective to a heavenly one. You know, Colossians 3 verse 1 says this, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on earth or the temporal. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I actually love the amplified version of that scripture. And I'm going to read it again and it'll go up on the screen because it's, it's quite a powerful uh, scripture in the amplified. It kind of draws out a little bit more of the meaning behind this verse. It says, Colossians 3 verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised uh, with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead. Keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is. Keep thinking, seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, heavenly things, not on the things that are on earth, which have only temporal value. There's that word again. For you died to this world and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. 
And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You see, this scripture is not just talking about a heavenly perspective when we're actually in heaven or when Jesus appears. It's actually talking about having a heavenly perspective instead of a temporal or worldly perspective. And our perspective is in the temporal can sometimes dictate how we are, but the word encourages us over and over again to seek the the heavenly perspective. Colossians says to seek those things which are above. And so that actually means we need to keep looking for. We actually need to look for it, to uncover it, to seek the heavenly world here on earth. It says in Colossians to set your mind on things above, not on the things of earth. The Amplified puts it so well then, to keep focused habitually on the heavenly perspective, to set one's mind on, to have the mind or the attitude of heaven. How challenging is that? Particularly in a world that kind of likes to dominate our thoughts, the busyness of life gets us, the the worry, the concern can get us. But ultimately, Paul has written this scripture however many thousands of years ago, knowing that to this day, the same battle will face you and I as faced the new Christians, that we must always seek keep focused, look for, chase down a heavenly perspective in our life. In fact, I would would say that a a whole lot of the Bible, a lot of the stories is actually about that. It's about verse after verse. I did a quick, quick search and I came up with 30 verses that talked about having a heavenly perspective or bringing God's perspective into our lives. And that is a lot of verses. And I'm not even talking about the story after story, and we're going to go into a few of them today in the Bible that gives examples of real people, people who have had this struggle or perhaps learned to pull in the heavenly perspective into this life. I wonder if you could take a moment with me and think about a circumstance in your world that's really tough. Maybe it's a challenge. Maybe it's in your finances, in your relational world, in your work life. Maybe it's the fear and the anxiety that that so many people are facing today. I just want you to ask this one question of yourself right now. If I were to take the perspective I have right now of that situation and I were to change it to a heavenly perspective, if I were to see it through God's eyes, what would it look like? You see... This is part of the reason we're taught not to store up treasures here on earth because we are called to actually have a heavenly perspective about all our situations. We understand that this this is an important part of our biblical walk, of our growth as a mature Christian, is to more and more understand that situations we might be in actually have a temporal um, perspective whereas God's perspective is often very different. James 7 says this, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, it teaches us first to submit to God. It teaches us to humble ourselves before God. The Amplified says that we have to humble ourselves before God then we resist the devil and then breakthrough comes. I actually think often we miss that first step. 
Humbling yourself before God is acknowledging that what you see, what you're experiencing may not be God's best for your life. And not just staying in that place, but actually moving towards having the perspective that God has. Humbling yourself before God says, I might be sick, but I know that my God heals. Humbling yourself before God might be saying, my marriage is broken, but I know that God has designed me to be married and to have a full, healthy marriage. You see, the way we humble ourselves before God is accepting that there is a heavenly perspective that we can trust in, that we can understand, and that we can acknowledge in our lives as more than what the circumstance or the temporal life is trying to tell us. You see, I've seen people who have resisted the devil over and over again, and they're casting things out and they're praying against things. But what I've noticed is if they haven't humbled themselves before God and submitted their lives to him first, then often it's like kind of empty words just going against an enemy and he hardly even hears them. You see, the moment you submit to God, the outcome of resisting the devil is that he will flee and you are so submitted and so uh, uh, you know, humbled before him that even the outcome doesn't really matter as much anymore because you're so humbled before him. You know he is sovereign. You know that his promises are true. And over and over again in the Bible, we see this. We see this unfold in story after story where men and women of God have learnt the lessons of what it means to humble themselves, to see things differently, to look and to desire the heavenly world in this temporal world. There's a great story in 2 Kings that I think really shows this. It's 2, King, uh, two Kings 6.15 and it's about Elijah and his servant, and, and there was a great battle about to happen, and Samaria had sent the, um, the, 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 the warriors and the armies to fight. And when the servant of the man rose early in the morning, he went out and he saw the army with horses and chariots, and that was all around the city. And can you imagine that moment? when you realize that there is a full-blown war happening around you. Imagine the thoughts going through your mind. You would be thinking, oh my goodness, we're doomed. Our lives are over. This is, this is the darkest moment. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? It's a good question. Verse 16 says, Elijah said this, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You see, Elijah saw in a different perspective. He understood that there was something more to this than what was in front of them. Then Elijah prayed and he said, Oh Lord, please open your, his eyes that he may see. And straight away he saw the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. You see, sometimes we see the temporal, we see the battle, we see the, the overwhelming fear, we see the, the pain, and that is all we see. And in that moment, we see this wise prophet say to his servant, open your eyes and see. And he saw the spiritual perspective, the heavenly perspective of the situation. Now, here's an object lesson for you. If I were to get you, even now, to grab a piece of paper, and what I want you to do is actually write 
all the things you can think of on that paper that you're worried about. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's financial stress, maybe it's marital worry, maybe it's children that are breaking your heart, maybe it's health. I want you to write in beautiful, neat writing like Laura has done for me. I want you to write those on this piece of paper and actually what I want you to do is um, when, you, when we move the paper, we're moving it towards the camera. And as we move and we focus on these things, we write them down and we start to worry. We start to get really focused and we keep looking at the worry, at the fear, at the anxiety, at the scare, at the health prognosis. All these things begin to overwhelm our lives. We begin to kind of focus on them. And if you're anything like me, when I get focused on stuff, I, I start to Google it incessantly. I start to fixate on it. I start to talk about it all the time. It becomes my whole world. The other way we can look at these things is we can pull this back and actually push things away to pretend that everything is okay, to say that the worry and the fear don't really exist. And we push it away so far that eventually it kind of gets blurry in the distance and it becomes this sort of foggy thing, but it's still there. It's kind of still part of our life. And if you press the right button, it pops up and it, and it really kind of comes out of you. You end up kind of almost, you know, seeing that thing overflow, but it's, it's a blurry thing. I actually think, that that's often how we deal with our worries, with our concern. We take the perspective of it's either all of it is so close and we can't see anything else, or we push it away so far that we kind of don't deal with it or acknowledge that it's big in our world. You know, there are some days that I really battle this, this whole idea of worry and fear. And what I love about the Word of God is it gives me hope. And there's this great story I'm going to read to you now from Matthew about Peter and Jesus with this incredible encounter that Peter had with Jesus. It says in verse 22, Immediately he made the disciples go into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. This is Jesus. And, after, and when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat with the disciples in it by this time was a long way from land. And it was being beaten by the waves and the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the seas. And when the disciples saw him walking on the seas, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, take, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said to Peter, He said, Lord, um, sorry. And he said to Peter, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. It's amazing. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. He cried out to the Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind and the waves ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. You see, what if I were to say to you that there is another way to deal, to to see all of those worries? What if I were to suggest that in this story we see 
this incredible interaction with Jesus. You see, that boat had left the shores. Jesus had gone off to pray, so he, the leader, had gone. And this boat was filled with disciples, people that believed in him, that loved Jesus, that had seen him do miracles just before, literally feed 5,000. You would think that their faith was full, that they, they had a level of faith that maybe they hadn't had before. But the moment they hit the storm, they left the boat, they left the shore, they went into the, to the, to the sea and they hit this storm. And it actually says that the wind and the waves were contrary to them. I think for you and I, how often do we face that? Where we feel that circumstances, that the world around us is contrary. It's like everything seems to be against us. And as they came to the fourth watch of the night, the fourth watch is that last watch of the night between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Maybe it's the time when we're most vulnerable. Maybe it's the time when you're most tired, the, the hardest point of the night. The disciples had been toiling all night. They were a long way from shore. And all they could see was the waves and the wind. Their perspective was the temporal, which is understandable. Am I going to sink? Is this, are we going to survive? Are we going to get to the other side? After such an incredible experience on the shore, when they watched Jesus do miracle after miracle, they, were, they found themselves still stuck in this temporal way of seeing things. And I can only imagine as they fought the waves and the wind and they, they were kind of striving and, and not able to do anything about it, that maybe one of them looked up and saw a figure on the water. And as he cried out, another saw that same figure. And as Jesus came towards them, he offered them this beautiful reassurance. It's me. You know, for you and I, maybe that's where you're at right now. Maybe in your lounge rooms, in your, in your situation that you're in, all you're seeing is the temporal. The waves and the wind are hitting you so hard that it's hard to actually look up and see. You see, as the disciples saw Jesus, I believe that they began to realize that they were saved. And perhaps there was a little bit of joy in their hearts. And, and Peter, being the gun-ho, kind of goes, yeah, I, I could do that too. Let me join you, uh, Jesus. And he cries out to Jesus. And I imagine Jesus kind of being pleased with that, like, oh, that's my son. He's actually he's looking for me. He wants to come to me. And I, I can kind of picture Peter as he takes that first step. Oh, it worked. I'm not sinking takes another step. Now, you've got to remember there's a storm going on. Those waves in, in that sea weren't just a nice, calm little kind of thing. This was, this was rough weather. They were worried the boat was going to sink. It was contrary weather. So Peter takes another step. And it's okay. Takes another step. And it's okay. And then his perspective is all focused on Jesus. But then suddenly his perspective drops. He sees the wind he sees the waves. And what begins to happen is he begins to sink. You might be in that place right now where you feel that your gaze has dropped and you are sinking. That maybe it is some of the darkest times in your life, the most struggled times in your life. Let me tell you, when you're in that place, all you need to do is just as Peter did, is cry out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reaches in and he holds his hand. You see, I truly believe that here today, wherever you find yourself, that there is a moment that Jesus is going to reach his hand out to you, to pull you out of the waves, to help you see his perspective. 
In some cases, it is the literally the fourth watch of the night for you, where there is a challenge that feels so big. It is the last-ditch effort. In fact, even this morning as you tuned in to church, this is kind of your last hope. You're like, yep, I've just got to get to church. I've got to actually listen to church. It's the only hope I have. And good on you for making this time. But I'm believing even now under the words I speak, that as you cry out to Jesus, you will feel his hand reach out to you. Because you know, with all these things that we struggle with, with all the fear, with all the anxiety, with all the worry, with all the marital stress, the children, the work, perhaps there's a better way of doing this than kind of trying to make it blurry or pushing it up nice and close to your face. Maybe it's taking that same piece of paper that you wrote all these things on and actually laying it down, giving it to Jesus. Because I'm telling you that this is the most powerful thing you can do, is actually hand it over to him. He is the great I am. He is your promise keeper. He will not let you down. Even if you are in the last uh, fourth watch of the night, maybe it's the closest to dawn for you. Maybe it's the closest to breakthrough, to taking ground. Because the only way we can take ground is to truly trust and hand over to him all our circumstances. And no matter how dark, no matter how hard, It is for you right now. He will rescue you. His promises stay true. But first, you must humble yourselves before him. You must turn away from the temporal and you must seek a heavenly perspective. That as you do that, you will find that God meets you. He will walk through the water, on the water for you. Isn't that an amazing thought? That for Jesus to get to you, he would do anything. In fact, so much so that he did the one thing that you and I probably could never do, and that is he died on a cross. He suffered a death for you that, that is indescribable. It's, it's filled with pain, but he did it because he wanted to come close to you. He wanted to make sure that you and I had the ability to have a relationship with him. And if you're a Christian in your lounge rooms right now, that should be giving you a sense of excitement and and awe at what he would do for you. You see, for Peter and the disciples, he walked on water. He walked through the storm for them. For you and I, not many chapters later, we see Jesus go to the cross for us. For every single human that was ever to live, that will ever live, he went to the cross for you. In fact, he did it in a way that is so personal and so intimate that not only did he die on a cross for you to to make that gap between us and God uh, non-existent, he actually died on a cross. And as he did that, it says that that Jesus um, was rose again so that you and I could have life. You see, as we exchange the temporal for the heavenly, we can celebrate that Jesus actually died on the cross for us. And in that moment, the great exchange was our, our life, our death for his life. He died so that you and I might have life. 
And this might be the first time you've ever heard that, or maybe the thousandth time you've heard that, but it is no less powerful, whatever scenario you are in. In fact, it has to elicit a response from us. It might be a response of joy. It might be a response of, I'm laying down all my stuff, God. I'm humbling myself to you. I'm trusting you. Or it may be, I want to give you my life. I want to give it all to you. I want to receive that free gift, that gift of eternal life that he promises us. Maybe for the very first time, you're going to do that this morning. Could I ask, whatever step you're making, could you take a moment to request prayer? Maybe it's to raise your hand and say, yes, I want a life walked with Jesus. Or maybe it's to actually ask for prayer from one of our pastors to actually take the step and say, I'm laying down all this stuff, all these anxieties. I want to lay it at the foot of the cross because I'm telling you, that is the safest place you can put it. Thanks for listening to our Sunday message. If you would like to find out more about our church, visit www.c3belconnen.org.au.